You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I just had one of those, oh man, I think it's Friday kind of moments just now as I'm trying to think of uh, what day it is so I can say happy whatever. And I'm thinking, I hope you're having a great Tuesday. What day is it? Oh yeah, it's Friday because I started my week on a Wednesday and that's awesome. And now I just remembered it's a three-day weekend with Memorial Day and everything. And I remembered Memorial Day is a grilling holiday and this is a great, this is a great thing. How you guys doing? What's going on, man? Oh, you know, I'm uh I'm I'm contemplating maybe trying to do a brisket for the first time. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to possibly mess up. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe just keep it simple. I got meat in the freezer. I don't need to be crazy, but I kind of want to be crazy. Actually, I don't I might not have much of a choice. There's a $250 Yeti cooler on the line and I was just thinking I need to get one of these sweet coolers. Feels like it's kind of meant to be. I don't know. I don't need to get into the details on that. Dude, it's $1,000. I need to win this. Everything is so expensive. It's crazy. It's $1,000. I mean, I guess it's 250 gallons, but still, (laughs) that's crazy. All right, doing brisket this weekend. Anyways, Green Bay Packers, folks. Um, Today, I envision, at least, you never know how these things are going to turn out. I don't know how it's going to turn out. Um, I have it as sort of a mishmash kind of a day. It's because I had so many days off, I kept grabbing little bits and pieces, and I was going to talk about this on this day and this on this day. And so I kind of want to just get caught up on everything. Yesterday, I had to talk about OTAs because it was OTAs. Today, I want to try to get caught up on as many things as I can. Uh, A lot of little tidbits here and there. First of all, kind of old news, Packers picked up Chris Slayton. Is there anything interesting about that news? Not really. Seventh round pick by the New York Giants in 2019. Has not played a single regular season snap ever. Um, Preseason, he played, uh, let's see, 95 snaps for the Giants in 2019. Didn't play any in 2020. And then played for the Atlanta Falcons, 107 snaps in the preseason. And understand... In the preseason, probably playing with second or and or third string guys had a 42 overall grade. I'm not saying he can't be good. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just reading, just reading stuff. So I don't know what to tell you um, other than they had an extra spot on the roster. They obviously like the guy. They want to try him out. And so there you go. There's the information. But 6'4", 307. Um, I can't necessarily even tell you like his specialty. Usually it's it's somewhat straightforward based on just grades. Like is this is this guy more of a run defend kind of guy or a pass rush guy? I don't know. At this point, I don't know that it really matters. Um if he can do any of them halfway decent, 
he's, I mean, he's going to have to prove that. Um, I guess there's a thing called NFL Plus that's going to be uh, rolled out, and it looks like the NFL is going to keep that in-house. In other words, they're not going to sell it off to somebody else. Um, it's going to be kind of like the other garbage NFL products. But uh, it says it's 5 bucks a month for live games on mobile phones and tablets, but limited to what fans could see in their local television markets. I'll tell you what, I'll take that. For 5 bucks a month on the off chance that I'm not home at, at kickoff, I want to be able to get in there on my phone. If, if, if that's what you're offering, I, I think I'll do that. Sometimes life happens, and I don't, I don't care if it's like 30 seconds. I, I don't want to miss kickoff. I just don't. I've been waiting all week for this freaking game. I'm excited, and kickoff is just the—it's—it's it's just it's the official start. I mean, the, special teams plays are not generally very interesting, but there's just something about the buildup of the game, and then 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 the kickoff. It's such an awesome way to start. I mean, to to kick off a game. And if I come home and I just see you know Aaron Rodgers under center, and it's second and eight. I know for the most part, I probably missed a two-yard run, and that's it, and a kickoff, and, you know, they're probably at the 27-yard line, so it was probably a tough... Like, I, I can fill in the blanks. I'm still not happy because I missed kickoff. And if, if, if you're telling me, well, if you can rewind it, just rewind... I'm not rewinding it because I have to watch it live. So I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Completely changing gears now. There was a little bicker fest that w- took place um, quite a while ago. It was, it was a week ago. Um, who was doing the bickering and what exactly it was doesn't super matter. Don't need to really delve into it. In fact, it's one of those things where I think at the end of the day, it's kind of semantics, you know, where, where you kind of disagree, but you're not really disagreeing. We're trying to come to kind of different conclusions, but really we're saying the same thing. We just want to phrase it differently, you know. But anyways, the ultimate question is about Amari. And I know this is, well, I mean... Uh, it's an important question. It's a Packers podcast, so there's nothing I can talk about that isn't somewhat tired, but I did end up talking about it a little bit. Um, Matt Ramich had me on, which was uh, very ever so kind of him. Very ever so kind. Ultimately, extremely ever sort of kind. But he ended up asking me about him, and I, I kind of went on a little bit of a tirade. But I, I want to look at a couple of the points that were made here. Um, and I think one of the bigger anti-things, and, and ultimately... It doesn't change my position, which is thusly, if you're new here. Now, it's, it's not a positive. It's not necessarily even a defense. It's, it's, well, it is, depending on what we're talking about. It's defense from the argument that he is trash. It's not a defense of him in terms of, I think he's good, because I don't know. But here it is from start to finish. The Green Bay Packers feel no stress in pushing rookies into a starting role unless they're absolutely needed. Or... Or if they're just so unbelievably freaking good and completely understand the offense to the point where putting you on the field is a better option than putting somebody else on the field, which sounds easy to a degree or straightforward. But again, I think it seems as though, and we have plenty of examples of this, and I'm going to go through a couple, to where the Packers say, I don't care what we invested in you. And this is including first and second round picks, not only third round like Amari. I don't even care how talented you are. We need guys on the field that when I call in a play, you know exactly what to do. Because high upside guys that are like wrecking balls but don't exactly know what the job that they're doing is, not really what I'm interested in. 
and as a rookie, that is Amari. Furthermore, as it comes to training and game planning and all that stuff, he was further down the death chart, and so they didn't in- invest a lot of time. Now, you got to understand, of course they're putting time into him. I'm not trying to say that uh, you know he, he got no one-on-one time or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, he's in the classroom. I'm sure he's able to ask questions. I'm sure the coaches talk to him. There's a wide receiver coach. I'm sure has put plenty of time into him. But when you're looking at total workload, for example, during the week, the starters go out and game plan, right? We, we have a plan for the upcoming opponent. The plan is based around certain players, and those certain players go out with Aaron Rodgers and practice routes and plays and those kinds of things. Amari was not a part of those plans. And so it becomes this sort of sick, uh, circular, cyclical, whatever kind of thing where it, you know how it's like you can't get a job without experience, but how can I get experience if nobody will hire me? That's kind of what it is for rookies in Green Bay. You're not going to be a part of the game plan because you don't have any experience, but you don't have any experience because you won't let me be a part of the game plan. But at this point in the season, I don't care. Beating the Cardinals, beating whoever, is our main objective, and I'm going to grab the guys that understand, you know, because as the head coach, I have a plan to beat this upcoming team. And so what I want when we go out into practice is to say, we're going to do that, 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 and everyone just be like, all right, got it. I don't want to have to spend extra time explaining what that means and what your role is in this. Like, we, we got to go. We got to get moving here. And so he didn't get a lot of playing time. The best argument that I saw against Amari was that when Randall Cobb went out, it was Equinemius and Jawan Winfrey that got those snaps. That's not fully the the reality, but I don't know that the reality is is much better for um, Amari. If you look at the snap counts for the weeks that Randall Cobb went out, started in week 13, which I believe was a bye, so technically uh, week 14. Of those three guys, Amari did get the call right out of the gate. Week 14, um, Equinemius St. Brown, well, I'll start with this. Jawan Winfrey, zero snaps. Equinemius St. Brown, 12 snaps. Amari Rogers, 24 snaps. The very next week, though, Amari got four. Equinemius went down to zero. Jawan became the guy at 20. And then for the rest of the season, Jawan Winfrey, so starting in week 15, 20, 18, 31, 51. Equinemius starting back in week 16, 52, 22, 52. I don't know if he was injured maybe in week 15 or what happened, but... Equinemius and Juwan, starting in week 16, let's say, carried it. Amari, week 15, four snaps. Week 16, six snaps. Week 17, zero snaps. And then week 18, he had 42. He had a big jump in week 18. But the point is, seemed like they tried to call him up, and then they're just like, never mind, this Amari thing isn't working. So the big objection is, he's supposed to be the slot guy. He's the backup slot guy. Uh, Randall goes out. You should be the next in line to step up. But again, I don't know whether this is a lack of ability or a lack of of understanding. And considering the Packers just drafted him, the fact that it would be a lack of ability seems a little surprising. What is it that he can't do that you didn't realize he couldn't do when he was in college? Like you you, you thought he could run routes and he can't? You thought he could run and he can't? What, What exactly is it? The point is, in my mind, it seems relatively obvious that there is a learning gap. Now, the question I have is, this little theory of mine, is there any way to back this up? Like, has, has, have we ever seen this before? And furthermore, has that person who, you know, we expect big things from, that's sitting on the bench instead of playing, that, that snaps are being taken up by other guys, do those guys ever become anything? 
Let's go back to 2020 and look at Mr. A.J. Dillon for a minute. First of all, second round pick, six foot, 250, the most athletic freak in human history. You would expect him to at least be better than Jamal Williams. He didn't get to play over Jamal. Now, we like Jamal Williams, but anybody that says that Jamal Williams was a top-tier, really great running back is lying. He was fine. He was decent. He, he was fun to watch. He's a great guy that we enjoy, and he dances, and it's awesome. But we didn't really get to see a lot of A.J. Dillon. Similar to Amari Rogers, he'd get a snap here, a snap there, right? For uh, Amari's sake, I mean, I think the first 10 weeks or so, he's playing every single week to some degree. But then the first real test came when Aaron Jones first went out with injury. Those were in weeks seven and eight. So you have Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon. And you're thinking, this is his big chance, right? A.J. Dillon gets to come in, right? He's been out because he's young and all that, but this is, this is it, man. A.J. Dillon's going to come in. He's going to be the workhorse. He's going to be the guy. They gave the Jamal Williams the ball 24 times. Well, 24 snaps compared to A.J. Dillon's five. Furthermore, Jamal got 4.1 yards per attempt. A.J. Dillon, 2.2 yards per attempt. Jamal Williams, 71.3 rushing grade. A.J. Dillon, 58. So that sucks. So now, again, using the Amari Rogers paintbrush to paint this picture, the guy can't get on the field. He finally has an opportunity, a golden opportunity, to get a bunch of snaps, and the Packers don't trust him with the ball. They don't put him out there. And when he's out there, he's not very good. So that sucks. What about week eight, though? He's got a, he's got a week under his belt. Maybe things get a little bit better. Not so much. Jamal Williams, 18 snaps. A.J. Dillon, six snaps. A.J. Dillon with a 58 overall grade. So again, he gets one-third the amount of snaps and has a bad grade. Gee, I wonder why he's not getting snaps. Probably because he sucks at football. Then after that, dude gets COVID, right? And he's just out for kind of a long time. Week 15, he comes back. He plays two snaps. Aaron Jones, 22. They gave Aaron Jones 20 rushing attempts. Aaron Jones never gets 20 rushing attempts. He had 20 rushing attempts, 7.3 yards per attempt. He had a 69 overall grade, still not great. Better than the last two, but it, it was on... Two snaps and one attempt for A.J. Dillon. I'm talking about A.J. Dillon at a 69 overall grade. Then Tennessee happens. Tennessee was that fateful moment where there were no other options, really. Because Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, excuse me, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams were hurt. Now, to be clear, Amari never had one of these moments. Amari didn't have a, well, they cleared the field, there's no other wide receivers left, I guess you're the guy. In fact, that's not even a thing that really happens for wide receivers, because if you get to the point where you're the only guy, we are in a lot of trouble. 21 snaps. He ran the ball every single time he was on the field. 21 attempts, 124 yards, 5.9 yards per attempt, and two touchdowns. So it's like, holy cow, this guy is, is, is a phenom. We got something here. I think Aaron Jones played a little bit in that game, but he was injured, so he didn't... Or no, he went out in that game? I don't remember. Yeah, I think he was in it, and then he went out. I don't know. Then week 17 rolls around after Tennessee, and you're thinking the guy earned his stripes, right? Clearly, this is the guy moving forward. Aaron Jones, 13 snaps. Jamal Williams, 5 snaps. A.J. Dillon, 1 snap. 1 attempt, 3 yards, 59 overall rushing grade. He got 1 snap, 1 attempt, and 3 yards. And then in the playoffs, Aaron Jones, 21 snaps, 14 attempts. Jamal Williams, 16 snaps, 12 attempts. A.J. Dillon, 6 snaps, 6 attempts. And he had a 45 overall rushing grade in this game. He was not on the field. Anytime they had the opportunity to put other guys ahead of him, they did. Why? Is it because he's a bad football player? No. 
A.J. Dillon overall had a 78 overall grade and 80 overall rushing grade. Obviously, every game wasn't great, but overall combined, he was pretty fantastic. I've gone over the rookies. I've talked about how pretty much every rookie we've ever drafted has been pretty subpar. A.J. Dillon is maybe the highest graded of of the rookie. I don't remember exactly, but 80 as a rookie rushing grade, 78 overall grade is phenomenal. It's not because he's a bad football player. Why didn't he go out there? Even after he demonstrated what he could do in Tennessee, why isn't he out there? It probably has something to do with the fact that this offense is a lot bigger than see ball, grab ball, run ball. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in terms of play calls, alignments, assignments, and checks at the line of scrimmage. When Aaron Rodgers checks out of a play, you got to know, I was supposed to run the ball, and now it's a passing play, and I need to stay in and block if this guy stands over here, but if, if he doesn't come, then I got to go run this rock. There's a lot to this, and if he doesn't know that, which, by the way, notice how when I said every time A.J. Dillon was on the field, he ran the ball, that's probably on purpose, and that's also part of the reason you don't want him on the field, because when he's on the field, you know they're running the ball, because they don't trust him to do anything else. They don't. He doesn't understand anything else, and that's not good enough for him to be on the field. It was a lack of understanding in year one of the complexities of the offense, especially with Aaron Rodgers at the helm, who makes all kinds of uh, changes at the line of scrimmage and expects you to know everything, and he didn't. Not because he's an idiot, but because it's complex. And the fact of the matter is, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, it's not just a matter of who's better. It's a matter of who understands their assignments. Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones understood A.J. Dillon didn't. has nothing to do with because he sucks. It's because he doesn't understand. And it's the same thing with Amari. I'm sure if you said, Amari, you're going to run a slant route. Go stand in the slot and run a slant route. He could do it. That's not a question. But there is the larger question of calling in a much bigger play and knowing where to go and knowing where to line up. And then when he makes a change, do you know what the heck you're doing? Again, when, when Randall went down, Amari got the call. He was the guy they wanted most, probably because of his talent level. The problem is he doesn't exactly know what he's doing, and they decided they couldn't trust him and got a couple guys that maybe had a better understanding of the offense. Here's the rest of that story. A.J. Dillon last year, with a better, fuller understanding, and by the way, just having no choice, having to be thrust into that role because Jamal is gone, figured it out and dominated. One of the things I realized as I was kind of combing through this to figure out how good he is, and, and you may have seen this on social media. I talked to some of the guys about it, and they put some graphics together. Um, in the entire PFF era, nobody has had a higher running grade than A.J. Dillon. I had somebody make some kind of a smart comment like, wow, what is that, since 2005? It's actually since 2008, and that's a long time. That's 14 years. With Aaron Jones, by the way, never in his career having had a grade, a rushing grade as high as, as A.J. Dillon, his first year as an actual starting running back. Eddie Lacy, never. Starks, never. Year two, A.J. Dillon, highest rushing grade of any Green Bay Packer. And by the way, SIS backs that up. Most valuable rushing season. If you look at war, par, whatever, it only goes back to 2015, but guess who stands alone? A.J. Dillon in 2021, number one running back. SIS and PFF agree. I'm not going to make light of that knowing how good Aaron Jones is. This guy is really, really, really good. And here's the thing. The Packers aren't stupid. They knew last year he was really good. It's not about being incompetent. It's not about being bad. It's about not being ready. How about Rashawn Gary? Does anybody remember Rashawn Gary? First round draft pick, didn't hardly play. 
not only was Zadarius and Preston ahead of him, because, well, duh, Kyler Fackrell got twice as many snaps as Rashawn Gary got. And don't sit here and try to pretend that 90% of Packer fans who hated the pick to begin with didn't point out that he can't even get more snaps than Kyler freaking Fackrell. What a garbage pick. What a terrible pick. He can't even get ahead of Kyler Fackrell. And by the way, relatively similar situation to Amari Rogers. It wasn't, you know, you might expect, well, maybe he didn't get a lot of snaps early, but by the end of the season, he kind of picked it up. Nope. In fact, the last two weeks were some of his lowest, and the final week in the playoffs against San Francisco, three snaps, that was the lowest he had all season. When it, when it came to crunch time, the most important part of the season, they're putting the guys they trust the most out there. They didn't want Rashawn Gary anywhere near the football field. They gave him three snaps in that game. Kyler Fackrell against the 49ers had 20. Preston had 51. Zadarius had 50. They didn't put Rashawn Gary anywhere near the football field. In fact, the only game I can see in which he played more snaps than Kyler Fackrell was week three against Denver when he had 26 snaps. Kyler Fackrell uh, had 24, two less snaps. So Rashawn Gary, who is a number one pick, this highly athletic, freakish football player, not only could he not beat out Preston, who is a decent football player, not, not necessarily an elite football player, the guy couldn't beat out Kyler Fackrell. And his grades weren't much better. 66 overall run defense grade, 59 pass rush grade, 55.8 overall grade. So he didn't play much. When he did play, he wasn't very good. And he wasn't ahead of pretty much anybody with any experience whatsoever. What about year two? Well, he kind of by necessity with Kyler Fackrell leaving became the number three guy. So they kind of forced him up a little bit, but it was more baby steps than A.J. Dillon. Again, it's a different situation, but in reality, Rashawn Gary and Amari Rogers are going to be closer than what you saw with A.J. Dillon because, again, it's not a matter of we've only got three guys and one of them left. There were six pass rushers in 2020. Rashawn Gary got thrust into the number three spot. Amari's not even quite to that level because there's 500 wide receivers on this team, and there's no necessity to push him anywhere. Not only do we have guys that are already on the team that we like, but we drafted a ton of guys. And we got a guy in in free agency. So we got a a veteran. We got a second round pick. We got a lot of guys. There's no need to push Amari anywhere. Rashawn Gary was a first round pick that ended up being the number four pass rusher. There's a little bit more of a desire to push him. And they only push him to the number three spot. My thought was he should overtake Preston in year two. He didn't. Zedarius 619 snaps, Preston 565, Rashawn Gary 357. It's been two years. He hasn't ever been anything better than the number three guy. His pass rush grade was a 65. All is lost, right? Rashawn Gary, terrible pick, blah, 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 blah. There was a lot less chatter in 2020 because I think you could kind of see the glimmer. And I think people were a little scared to be keep chirping. But some people stupidly kept chirping. Year three, he's still technically the number two. Preston Smith, 502 snaps. Rashawn Gary, 490. So he went from four to three to two. And uh, the, the, the issue, though, is that if you look at pass rush grade, Preston Smith 76, Rashawn Gary 90. Not, not just the best pass rusher on this team, one of the best pass rushers in the entire NFL. So all the whining and all the complaining and all the crying about Rashawn Gary being a bad pick and all this stuff. And by the way, we had a massive sample size of Rashawn Gary. We have nothing of Amari Rodgers. Nothing. He was the number four guy in 2019. He still had 256 snaps. 152 times he tried to rush the passer. Amari Rodgers, we have eight 
targets. That's it. Massive sample size for Rashawn Gary, and it was bad. And guess what? Year three, he's the best pass rusher in football, and everyone wants to just pretend like, oh, well, you know, like we're just going to be like, oh, yeah, I love Rashawn Gary now. No, BS. You don't get to just walk over here and be like, oh, yeah, Rashawn's the best. No, no, dude. no, 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 no. You don't get to come over here without learning something. You need to learn that you are stupid, that you are wrong, and that you shouldn't rush to conclusions with, with limited sample sizes. And yes, two years, 700, almost 800 snaps is still a limited sample size when you're talking about Rashawn Gary, because that's what it took before we got to year three and him becoming one of the best pass rushers in football. It was year three, 800 snaps. So anybody throwing Amari, well, I, I watched him and he didn't look good. Shut up. Shut up. You watched him. What did you watch, Mr. Supreme Scout of the Universe? What did you see in his limited route running that was so awful? And by the way, I'm telling you, and I'm not a scout, he didn't look bad as a route runner at all. There was nothing bad about it. People are trying to make stuff. He looked slow. No, he did not. You're out of your mind. Your, 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 your brain is filling in the gaps. He didn't play because he's bad. That's the assumption I already know. So I can just watch the tape. And no matter what he does, it could be the best route in the world. Your brain is going to tell you that was a terrible route. Why? Because you've already come to the conclusion that he didn't play because he looked bad when he was on the field, which is a faulty conclusion. And so you, you feel confident in that opinion. Now, again, this is not me defending Amari Rogers. I don't know what he's going to be. He might end up being a bad football player. What I'm saying is... It is so unbelievably obnoxious and stupid because the guy dropped one kickoff or whatever that we're going to throw him under the bus and say he's a garbage wide receiver. Even to sit here and say, hey, Jawan Winfrey took his snaps when Randall went down. That's a really bad sign. No, it's not really, though. It's not really. You know who, who, who was in the slot when, um, when Randall went down? It was Devontae Adams, followed by Alan Lazard, followed by MVS, followed by Josiah DeGuaro, followed by Equinemius, then Jawan, then Amari. And it's really not even close. Equinemius had the most snaps from the slot when Amari, when uh, Randall was out. It was 31. Josiah DeGuara had 37. MVS had 50. Lazard had 96. Devontae had 98. It's not like we need a slot guy and we just didn't have one and Amari couldn't step up. So we were in trouble. So we had to force Equinemius into that spot. We got a lot of slot guys. Adams, Lazard, MVS, and a tight end were over 200 snaps compared to Equinemius at 31. We managed in the slot. So again, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with Amari. Maybe it was a bad pick. It happened. And that's the other thing. Bad picks happen. Negative fans love to do victory laps when, when they're right about a bad pick, which is the easiest thing in the world to do. Every time you pick somebody, you say it's a garbage pick. Nine out of ten times you're going to be right, and then you do some kind of victory lap because your team made a bad decision, and that makes you happy, which is so weird. But there, there, there's a lot of things here. Number one, we don't know anything about Amari Rogers. Number two, if he's a bad pick, so what? It's one pick. We got three more wide receivers coming in. So there's four guys at least at wide receiver that we're not sure what's going to happen. How many of those four do you expect or demand to be great wide receivers? I know the negative fans are going to say at least three or four because they love to set really high bars that the Packers can't get over because they, they refuse to allow the Packers to do anything right. But we're not talking about that. Realistically, uh, honestly, Four wide receivers are picked. Do you expect all four to be great? What if one of them is really good and one of them is a contributor and the other two are not great? Is that acceptable to you? Because I think that's an acceptable thing, considering there was a second round pick, a third round pick, and some mid to late round picks. I think that's acceptable. 
But the the reality is anybody that has really anything negative to say about Amari other than it would have been great if he had a great rookie season. As unrealistic as that is, and it is, it would have been great. That's true. It would have been, and, and, and it wasn't. But again, just given the environment and the way that they do things, the odds of him being really great are very low. They don't allow you to do that because the demand is a mastery of the offense and the odds of a rookie midseason mastering this offense are very low. Now, if you can do it, great. Kudos to you. But that's still only half the equation. Mastering the offense is what gets you on the field, but it doesn't make you great at football. That's the other part of the equation. It took A.J. Dillon until year two, but he was pretty good already in year one. I don't know when Rashawn Gary figured out the defense. I don't know if he, he still did. By year two, maybe kind of, but not quite. I would guess by year two, they still didn't fully trust him because I think he was already better than Preston in year two. But Preston still got more snaps. Even last year, he was by far better than Preston. Preston got more snaps. They trust Preston to understand this defense better than Rashawn. So they're two separate things, understanding and being very good at football. Ideally, you're both. Right now, as far as we know, Amari is neither. But we got to get the first thing first, which is him understanding the offense. Once he understands the offense, he gets more opportunities. Once he gets more opportunities and he gets more practice, that's when we start to see him get better and better and better. And then we wait to see until he hits his ceiling, right? But it's kind of once you get to the point where we've seen you and we kind of get an idea of, okay, this is just what you are. You're not getting any better. That's what you are. But we haven't even started yet. We haven't even started to see him get time and get better and better and better and then level off and say, okay, that must be where he's at. That's who it is. We don't know where his ceiling is. He hasn't even started yet. (laughs) It's crazy. And that's also, if we take it into this draft class, this is also the problem. The, The expectations of some fans... You're setting yourself up for disaster. I said it about A.J. Dillon. I said it about Amari. And I'm going to say it about guys like Christian Watson. Now, they're probably going to try to force some of these guys out there because you don't have a choice. Somebody has to get forced out there, whether it's Amari, Watson, Toure, Dobbs, somebody. Maybe all of them to, to lesser degrees. I don't know. It's going to have to do some kind of a combination of aptitude and skill. Maybe, you know, Some of these guys might end up being like A.J. Dillon where you can only do one thing, and when you're on that field, you're doing one thing. Maybe Christian Watson is, is out there just running go route, which kind of sucks because you know what he's going to do when he's out there. It's either a run play or it's a go route. That's, that's probably an oversimplification, but, but that's kind of what I mean. Might be, might be just that kind of an offense. You know, The aptitude isn't there yet, so we can't ask you to do a ton of things, which is really going to limit Aaron Rodgers. Right, Aaron likes to, you know, you call in the play, I'll contemplate it, I'll look at the defense, and I'll do something else. If you got three guys out there that are kind of like, I don't really know what to do, you can't be changing plays very much. You're going to just ruin the, and unless it's just kind of a looking at Randall and being like, dude, let's just do this, all right? Backyard stuff like you used to do with Devontae, where you just kind of give him a glance, and then that's the whole thing. But it better work with Randall, because nobody else knows what the heck is going on. And so the point is, the play that comes in is, is probably just going to be the play, and, and you got to make it work. But there is going to be a mix of talent and aptitude, right? Christian Watson, high talent in terms of skill, but it, it may be raw, whatever. But you know he's fast and he's tall and he's big and all that stuff. But, but aptitude and ability, probably low. Because, again, it's a very complex offense and, and your ability to comprehend the entirety of it and, and all its nuances and, and getting it to the point where Aaron Rodgers can just start screaming stuff at the line of scrimmage and you know exactly what's going on by, what, week one? what is that, zero, roughly? But the point is, we need to understand that a lot of these guys, the younger guys, the newer guys, the Packers are not going to force them out there. 
That's true with the offensive linemen as well. A lot of people are going to be real disappointed if Royce is the right guard over the two guys we drafted, but he might be because Royce is going into year two. And similar to Preston, isn't really better than Rashawn, but he understands the defense, so he gets more snaps than Rashawn. Similar to Jamal, not quite being as good as A.J. Dillon, but Jamal understanding the offense, so he gets more snaps than him. Royce may be that guy where, yeah, maybe he's not as good as Zach Tom. Maybe he's not as good as Sean Ryan, but he understands the offense. And so at least for now, he's the guy. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to play the same stupid game, and I'm going to say the same thing over and over and over and over again. It's, it's, it's not about talent. It's about aptitude. It's about your ability to understand. Beyond that, even if it is a talent thing, talent isn't necessarily static. That, that's why you have coaches that teach you things and try to make you better. And then there's also talent within the scheme and getting good at not just football generally, but getting good at being a Green Bay Packers right guard. That is a specific skill that you can get better at. And that's ultimately what we're trying to get. And the problem is there's no patience among football fans and Packer fans in particular. There's no patience, despite the fact that we know how this works. Now, if somebody can come out and just dominate and be great right out of the gate, cool. Awesome. I hope it happens. That's wonderful. But it should not be the expectation. We got to take a break. Um, In fact, we don't have very much time, but we'll take a very quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about something else. Big shout out to Anthony Pellegrino for the $25 donation to uh, help Drew get a seizure service dog. We got an update from Drew um, saying we're at 75% of the goal. We're getting so close. Thank you, everyone, he says. So um, if nothing else, we're 10 bucks away from 5,600. So if anybody wants to give 10 bucks, that'd be great. But we'll take a break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So something else that I saw on Twitter that I kind of wanted to highlight, um, not really the, the Twitter thing. It's just, it's one of those things where I saw it and I'm like, I want to look into it. And it's more of what I found that's interesting than anything else. But um, somebody put together kind of a, a little sheet of stats with quarterbacks when they're under pressure. But I wanted to look at that and see where Aaron Rodgers ranks while under pressure. Because one of the things that I've been saying for a while is, um, you know, it's not enough to just say, well, yeah, he's negatively affected by pressure. Because he's actually maybe a little bit worse than your average quarterback while under pressure. Now, that isn't to say he's bad. But, you know, the, the, the point is, let's just say you are the number three overall quarterback. If I look at everybody under pressure, I still expect you to be roughly number three. If you're better than number three, then you're better than average. If you're worse than number three, you're worse than average. Right? The point is, everybody should stay the same when you move, to, you know, because we're all moving in the same category, right? Aaron Rodgers last year, in terms of passing grade via PFF, was third, but was ninth under pressure. This is via PFF. Now, according to PFF, he was also seventh while kept clean. Now, how does that make any sense? Well, what it would tell me, because essentially it's just a blend. When you look at Aaron Rodgers and his 91.5 passing grade while kept clean, compared to his 58 overall passing grade, essentially you're just blending. And the more you're kept clean, the higher your grade is going to be, the more you're under pressure, the lower your grade is going to be. And that's true of every quarterback. So in a sense, every quarterback's overall grade is dependent on how often they're kept clean. I don't care who the quarterback is. If 100% of the time they were kept clean, they're going to be one of the best quarterbacks in football. Nine quarterbacks had a 90 overall grade while kept clean. Which is to say, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Jimmy Garoppolo, Aaron Jones, Justin Herbert, Matt Stafford, Kyler Murray, Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, Joe Burrow. If 100% of the time they were clean, they would have a 90 overall grade. That seems kind of weird, doesn't it? Because when we look at grade, we look at it and say, that's how good you are. But how good you are is also dependent on your circumstances. Conversely, Joe Burrow, who I've been bragging on for quite a while, his grade was the highest of anybody. He also had the highest clean grade and also, he's had a fairly high, he was the fifth best while under pressure. He's not bad. However, his passing grade is a 61.8 while under pressure. What if he was under pressure 100% of the time? He would be the 31st ranked quarterback in football with his 61.8 overall grade. So again, it's really just a blend. And so the point is, and SIS will back this up if you look over at SIS, uh, let's see, while under pressure... If we look at their PAR, their PAR, Aaron Rodgers similarly is 10th. So kind of similar to what PFF said. Now the difference is they actually have him with no pressure, number one. Joe Burrow's number two with a 40.9 overall PAR, Aaron Rodgers 42.5. Either way though, the, the, the obvious conclusion, and this is true of all quarterbacks, but even more so for quarterbacks that are better when clean and worse when, you know, the, the bigger gap between, you know, when you're when you have no pressure and when you have pressure, those quarterbacks in particular, and Aaron Rodgers falls into that category, 
are super offensive line dependent. Now, again, every quarterback is, which is why I don't understand why offensive line is not given more credit than it. I mean, I don't want to have to say the stupid line again, but you don't do anything other than pass and run. You can't do either without an offensive line. But how good your quarterback is, is entirely dependent on your offensive line. The best quarterback in the NFL, if he's under pressure, is not a good quarterback. The lesser quality quarterbacks are, are become decent quarterbacks when there's no pressure. Not everybody. Some of them suck when there's no pressure too. But for the most part, either way, they're significantly better. So when we look at the Green Bay Packers and their offense and Aaron Rodgers and his ability to operate, even him getting back-to-back MVPs, one of the lesser um, talked about attributes from everybody, from Packer fans and especially the media, is the offensive line. Because everybody just wants to talk about Aaron Rodgers in a vacuum and then wide receivers. Those are the only components. I would say offensive line is a bigger component and, and is just insane that nobody ever talks about it. Saying that Aaron Rodgers got no help, which first of all is ignoring the fact that we got three wide receivers, which is help, and then, you know, Sammy in, in free agency and all that. But one of the other major things that is not talked about is the fact that we also got three offensive linemen. I understand in the first round we went defense, defense, but we followed that up with six people that are directly tied to helping Aaron Rodgers play football better. Offensive line is 1,000% to do with making Aaron Rodgers a better quarterback. And not acknowledging that is just being stupid. It's common sense, but again, especially with Aaron Rodgers. When he's kept clean, according to SIS, number one quarterback in football. You want Aaron Rodgers to be number one? No pressure. If he doesn't have pressure, he's the best quarterback in football, period. So block. Block. Get really good at blocking, and we're going to be fine. Then you get an MVP quarterback all over again. Yeah, but we don't have wide receivers. First of all, we do. Second of all, doesn't matter. Aaron Rodgers operating at an MVP level is going to find a guy to distribute the ball to. Just block for him. 88% of Aaron Rodgers' passes are catchable. When there's no pressure, it goes up to 91.3%. It's 75.9% when he's under pressure. So the difference between pressure and no pressure, because again, the, the, the average number is just that blend. But you're talking about the difference between 75.9% of his passes being catchable and 91% of his passes being catchable. You think that has a major difference on, on the offense as a whole? On, on even, the, even the wide receivers. The wide receivers are going to benefit from a good offensive line. Why? Because if you have a good offensive line and there's no pressure on Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers' passes are more accurate. When Aaron Rodgers' passes are more accurate, i.e. catchable, then you're going to have more catches. When you have more catches, you have more yards. You have more production. You have, you know, better play from the wide receivers. Even though it's not really a reflection of the wide receiver, it's going to seem that way because they're going to have more catches, more yards, more stats, and everyone's going to be more happy. It is, it is an absolute embarrassment, not only how the obsession with wide receiver, but the complete lack of care whatsoever for offensive line. Nobody cares. Six players the Packers went out and got. Three offensive linemen, three wide receivers, and you still have people saying, I don't know, the offense is going to struggle because they didn't get Rodgers any help. Starting in the second round, we started just binging. Wide receiver, offensive line, offensive line, wide receiver, wide receiver, offensive line, pass rusher, offensive line, blah, 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 blah. Just, that, that, just all we did. The rest of the draft, offensive line, wide receiver, offensive line, wide receiver, offensive line, wide receiver. That's all we did. So I, 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 I just wanted to make that point. One of the most valuable things for every quarterback is a really, really good offensive line that is really good at pass blocking. It's going to make your quarterback way better. Only one quarterback had a 70 overall grade while under pressure, and that was Jacoby Brissett. That's it. 
He's the only one that had a competent grade while under pressure. Well, I shouldn't say competent. Um, there were a grand total of six quarterbacks that had average grades. Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Trevor Simeon, and Jacoby Brissett. Everybody else was bad under pressure. In fact, only 21 had even 50 overall grades. The rest of the quarterbacks, 40 of them, were below a 50. Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, Matt Stafford, Tyler Huntley, Cam Newton, Taysom Hill, Tyler Heineke, Jameis Winston in the 40s. Then you had Lamar Jackson, Trevor Simeon, Baker Mayfield, Tua, Fields, Sam Darnold, Ben Roethlisberger, Zach Wilson, and Mike Glennon in the 30s. And then you had Davis Mills and Jimmy Garoppolo in the 20s, which, by the way, the Houston Texans fans' obsession with Davis Mills cracks me up. I, I don't understand this. It's, it's very similar to Justin Fields, where it's like, what are you talking about? But even more so, because Davis Mills, at least Justin Fields, was a great college quarterback and was drafted early. I don't understand the Davis Mills hype, other than like he had a couple good games, which how many times have we been down that road? Tyler Heineke, he had like two good games. It's like, this guy's the future. No, he's not. And by the way, Justin Fields is part of this equation too. I talked about this also with uh, Matt Ramage yesterday. Even if Justin Fields took a big second year leap, we're never going to know it because they didn't do anything to help his offensive line. And so you get that blend. Justin Fields is one of the worst quarterbacks under pressure. And he's under pressure a ton. Justin Fields had a 78 overall grade while kept clean. Now, that's not super elite, but it's certainly better than, than when he's under pressure, 33 overall grade. And the fact that he's going to be, un, he, he, let, let's say he takes a step and so under pressure, he has like a 50 overall grade and he has like an 85 while he's kept clean. But if he's under pressure a ton, he's still going to struggle to even get to 60. Offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. It doesn't even make sense to comment on how good a quarterback is unless you know how good of a blocking offensive line you have. Because the under pressure version of your quarterback and the kept clean version of your quarterback are two different quarterbacks entirely. And Jacoby Brissett is the only quarterback that's that's even remotely similar in the two categories. 70.9 overall grade under pressure, 72 while kept clean. And probably because, it, you know, small sample size at that, but it just doesn't exist. That's not a thing. They're, they're two different quarterbacks, and so you get a blend between the two, and it really just comes down to how often are they under pressure and how often are they kept clean. Any quarterback under constant duress is a bad quarterback. Most quarterbacks, if they're, kept, if they're able to operate from a clean pocket all day long, they're probably going to be good quarterbacks. That's why those images of Tom Brady standing in the pocket for like 45 minutes, like for years he was doing that, yeah, that's, that has something to do with him being a good quarterback. I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback anyways, but most quarterbacks operating from a clean pocket all day, every day, and Aaron Rodgers is a part of that. The fact that he's had great offensive lines is a part of him being as good as he is. I'm not saying it's, it's 100% of the equation, but Aaron Rodgers was, uh, let's see, MVP Aaron Rodgers ranked 23rd in total pressures. Tom Brady ranked 22nd. Now, Josh Allen was number one and made it work. Obviously, a very good quarterback. And I think if you look at a lot of the quarterbacks that were pressured a lot and still did well, you, you end up with a lot of, you know, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert. These are guys that have got some wheels. Trevor Lawrence, although Trevor Lawrence wasn't very good at football, but they can hurt you while under pressure. But even beyond that, it doesn't disprove the point. All it tells me is if Josh Allen ever gets an offensive line that can block for him, and some of the pressure may be holding onto the ball too long, I don't know, but if he gets a more consistent, clean pocket, holy crud, dude's going to be scary. But anyways, I got to get out of here. Just something to contemplate. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.